Well, here we go. Good morning, Redemption Church. Hey, I am back from vacation, which means I am fired up, I'm pumped, I'm excited, because that also means today we get to start a brand new series. We love preaching books of the Bible, amen? That's one of our core values here, expositional preaching. We go verse by verse, line by line through books of the Bible, and today I'm excited because we get to start a brand new book of the Bible. Today we're going to be studying the book of of Joshua. And as we dive into Joshua, the theme for this book is living for a legacy. Joshua is an exciting book. It's an encouraging book. It's a motivating book. It's a very inspiring book. It has some of your favorite coffee cup Bible verses. I mean, just think about this one, Joshua 1.9. It says, be strong and courageous. Like I can just see every white girl on Instagram with that in her bio. Like, like, just be strong and courageous. I mean, you, you see verses like this where it says that he will never leave you and he will never forsake you. I mean, that's on every single journal you get from Barnes and Nobles, right? You get a little journal, he will never leave me, he will never forsake me, for I know the plans that he has for me, they're good of a purpose, right? right? You know, that's an inspiring verse. Like, there's another verse that every, every woman who's ever been in Hobby Lobby probably has this one. It says, for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. How many, of you, how many of you have that whenever you walk in in your kitchen, right? For me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Or for the, for the guy's favorite, take every man in Israel and circumcise him again. Nope, you're like, nope, no thank you, where's the exit? I'm, I'm out of here. But it's got some inspiring verses, it's got some encouraging verses, and I believe that this series is gonna be a great encouragement to all of us because it's about living for a legacy. I want you to know that every single person in this room has a legacy that you were made by God, you were saved by grace. God didn't save you on accident. He saved you for a purpose. And every single one of you in this room, if you're watching online or if you call Redemption Home or if this is your first time walking through these doors, I want you to know that every single one of you, you have a legacy. A legacy is definition is something that is passed down from one generation to the next. We are all born and we receive a legacy, but at the same time, we also leave a legacy. Yeah. Individually, you have a legacy. Some of you, you have a godly legacy. You have a legacy of faith that your parents love Jesus, your grandparents love Jesus, their grandparents love Jesus. Like growing up, you had a drug problem. Your parents drug you to church. That's your, that's your legacy. You grew up reading the Bible, memorizing scripture, standing firm on God's promises. You received a godly legacy. And if you're here today, I want you to know that that legacy continues through you. What God does in you, he wants to do through you. That legacy is to continue. It's time for us to stop living in the legacy of our parents or living in the legacy of our past and take on the mantle of God's call in our lives and step forward into what he has next. But others of you, you did not receive a godly legacy. In fact, many of us, you received a, a legacy of hurt, a, a legacy of a, abuse, a legacy of a, addiction, Maybe you received a, a legacy of marriages that have failed and failed and divorced. Maybe you received a, a legacy of alcoholism. Maybe you received a, a legacy of mental health disorders. Maybe you received a, a legacy of pain, a legacy of poverty, a legacy of heartache and heartbreak. But I want you to know if you're here today that that legacy stops there and it begins today. That there is a new legacy that God has for you. There is a new destiny that God has for you. There is a new will. There is a new plan. There is a new purpose. And that legacy starts with you, and it starts today. And I'm excited to go ahead and dive into the book of Joshua. And here's kind of the big idea and the theme that I want for us to understand throughout this study is this. Is the legacy we leave is a result of the life that we live that your choices have consequences. Your decisions determine your destiny. And the legacy we leave is a result of the life that we live. Individually, you have a legacy. What do you want that legacy to be? You can have a good legacy or you could have a bad legacy. 
But either way, we are going to leave a legacy and pass down something from one generation to the next. The legacy we leave is a result of the life that we live. Individually, you have a legacy. That if you're a parent or a grandparent, you understand this. The Bible says a, a godly man leaves an inheritance to his children's children. What is that? That is a legacy. The decisions that I make as a dad, the decisions that I make as a husband, the decisions that I make over my children, the decisions I make in my home, they impact and affect, well, my children for generations to come. Even in your job, you have a legacy. At your college, you have a legacy. Wherever you're at, in stage or station of life, the decisions you make today determine the quality of life that you will live into the future. The legacy that we leave behind is a direct result of the life that we live. What do you want to pass down? What do you want the, the stories to be told after you are gone? What kind of life and quality of life do you want your children or their children's children to have? Those decisions, they start today. Your decisions determine that destiny and the legacy you leave is a result of the life that you live. Individually, you have a legacy. But corporately, for us as a church, we also have a legacy. That Redemption Church has a legacy that is waiting to be unleashed. That's why we say every single week we are a gospel center movement in the heart of the city where every man, woman, and child can experience life change through Jesus. Has every man, woman, and child in Southeast Texas experienced life change through Jesus? No, that means that there is still a legacy inside of us that is waiting to be revealed. As a congregation, we have a legacy. When I was a new pastor, I, I didn't think much about legacy. I thought a lot about just getting week to week. I mean, there would be some Sundays I would stand in the front row, close my eyes, and just pray to God that somebody showed up. I remember early in the church, we would pass the offering plate, and the offering would be like $10 and a marble and a cigarette butt. I was just trying to make it week to week. I didn't think month to month, I didn't think year to year, and I definitely wasn't thinking 20 years into the future. But as our church grows, as I, as I mature, as our church matures, as more people walk through these doors, what we need to start thinking as a church is not just week to week or month to month, we need to be thinking about what kind of church are we gonna leave to our children? What kind, of, what kind of reputation is this city going to see in our church? Not just next week, but 50 years into the future. That's legacy thinking. We need to be thinking legacy. We need to be thinking lineage. We need to be thinking generational. And that's why the Be Bold building campaign is so important to us because I don't believe leasing leaves a legacy. Right now, we lease this building. I don't think you can leave a legacy with the lease. And so as you're giving and as you're praying and as you're stepping out in faith and working towards buying this new building, I want you to know that through this building, we're going to see more people meet Jesus. We're going to see more people get baptized. We're going to see more people get saved. We're going to see more marriages be restored. We're going to see more children be dedicated. We're going to see more people find hope, more people find faith, more people walk in belief. We're going to raise up more leaders. We're going to raise up more church planters. We're going to plant more churches. We're going to send out more missionaries. And we're going to see that gospel-centered movement in the heart of this city where every man, woman, and child experiences life changed through Jesus. That is our legacy. But the legacy we leave is a result of the life that we live. Amen. And so we have to step into this. We have to figure this out. We have to discover and we have to determine what kind of decisions and destiny we're going to leave behind. As I was prepping for this series, I came across this quote and I, I just want to share it with you. And it's this quote like this, is that we are born looking like our parents, but we die looking like our decisions. We are born looking like our parents. We receive a legacy, but we die looking like our parents. What kind of legacy are you going to leave? The legacy that we leave individually and congregationally is a result of the, the life that we live. And so that's what Joshua's theme is, and that's what we're going to be talking about as we study through the book of Joshua. And so we're ready to dive in. Are you excited? Are you fired up? All right, two of you are. Maybe by the end of this, the Holy Spirit will show up. Let's, let's go ahead and dive in. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to the book of Romans. 
That's right. We're going to start today in the book of Romans. And here's what Romans 15, 4 says. For whatever is written in the former days was written for our instruction that through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. What, what, what Paul is saying here in the book of Romans is that the Old Testament, the, the books of the Old Testament, the stories of the Old Testament, and the characters in the Old Testament, they're there for us today so that way we can look back and we can see not only what God did, but what God does. Amen. That we can look back and we see not only who God was, but we see who God is. It's there to encourage us. It's there to be able to strengthen us. It's there to be able to give us hope. And if you want to leave a legacy, that's the most important thing that you can have, is you're going to have to have hope. Hope is the greatest asset when it comes to living for a legacy. In the modern evangelical church, we don't really do a good job teaching the Old Testament. How many of you grew up in a church or maybe you heard as a kid that we don't need the Old Testament? That the Old Testament's not important because now we have the New Testament. The Old Covenant's not important because now we live under the New Covenant. You don't have to study the Old Testament because that's old. And now, because of Jesus, we have new. I want you to know... Thank you for leaving that church (laughs) because that's a lie. Romans 15 would even tell us that these stories in the Old Testament are to encourage us. They're here to inspire us and they're here to give us hope. We need to learn from the Old Testament, look back to the Old Testament so that way we can see that God was faithful in the past. He's going to be faithful in the present. He's going to be faithful in the future because that's who God is. He was faithful then and he's faithful now. He was for us then and he's for us now. And you're going to have to hold on to this and learn from the life of Joshua. And what Paul says here, it's there to give us hope. Hope is going to be the greatest asset that you have when it comes to leaving a legacy. And here's the reason why. If you're taking notes, write this down. Because legacy ain't easy. Did you know that? That legacy, it ain't easy. If it was easy, everybody would have one, but they don't. Why? Because legacy ain't easy. And there's going to be days that are difficult. There's going to be days that are tough. There's going to be days that are hard. There's going to be days where you feel like quitting, where you feel like giving up, where you feel like giving in, as if God is not on the throne. There's going to be days that are dark and painful. There will be heartache. There will be heartbreak. Why? Because legacy ain't easy. Legacy takes intentionality. Legacy takes hard work. Legacy takes determination. If you want to leave a legacy and live for a legacy, it's going to take you learning to do hard things because legacy ain't easy. Just look at what it says in Joshua chapter 1. Joshua 1.1, as it opens up, it says, After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, you and all the people, into the land that I'm giving to you, into the people of Israel. Look how Joshua opens up. It says, Moses, my servant, is dead. Joshua, it's your time. It's your turn. Arise and go and lead the people into the land that I have promised them. Do you know how hard that must have been for Joshua? To take over after Moses? Like, do you know who Moses is? I mean, Moses is the Michael Jordan of the Old Testament. That's that's Moses. I mean, Moses is the Tom Brady of the Pentateuch. I mean, he wrote the first five books of the Bible. This is Pharaoh, let my people go, Moses. This is 10 plagues and 10 commandments. This is the Moses that led them by a cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. This is the Moses that just by praying, the ground opened up and swallowed 40,000 people and killed them in a minute. Some of y'all want to be praying those prayers. You you understand what Moses is like. And, And now Moses is dead. Joshua, it's your time. It's your turn. It's time for you to lead my people. Can you imagine how anxious Joshua must have been in that moment? Could you imagine how fearful Joshua must have felt? How how big the task at hand was. And yet, Joshua still stepped into that. And if you were to ask Joshua, hey, is leaving a legacy easy? Joshua would say, 
No, because legacy, it ain't easy. But we're going to see Joshua do incredible things as we study throughout this book. Over the next 14 weeks, we're going to see Joshua do amazing things, incredible things. We're going to see signs and wonders and miracles. We're going to see God do things in the life of Joshua that he has never done since then. We're going to see amazing things. We're going to see Joshua walk to the river Jordan and it part at flood stage and they walk across on dry ground. We're gonna see Joshua and we're gonna see the walls of Jericho fall down. We're gonna see the battle of Ai. We're gonna see victories. We're gonna see Joshua pray and the sun stands still. We're gonna see Joshua inherit the promised land. We're gonna see Joshua leave a legacy. We're gonna see Joshua do amazing things. And at the end of his life, if you were to ask Joshua, hey, was it easy? Joshua would say no, because legacy ain't easy. You know, I think somewhere along the lines, the modern church has bought into this lie that if something is hard, it must not be from God. We think, oh, there's opposition. Oh, there's trouble. Oh, there's hardship. Oh, I feel like I'm being attacked. I feel like, I feel like this is hard for me to do. And so I'm just not going to do it because if it's hard, it must not be from God. Can I just tell you the opposite is true? Right? People will say, God won't give you more than you can handle. That ain't been my experience. My experience is oftentimes God will give me way more than I can handle so that way I can learn to depend on him. So that way I can learn to trust in him. That way he's the hero of my story. That's, that's what I've discovered in my own life. And that's what we're going to study in the book of Joshua, is that Joshua is not the hero of the story. God is the hero of the story. Look what it says here, that it's the land that he has given them. God is the hero of this story. And God will oftentimes give us things we can't handle so that way we can learn to trust, that way we can learn, and that way we can begin to depend on him. Legacy ain't easy. If you were asked Joshua, was the walls of Jericho easy? He would say no. If you ask him, was the Jordan River easy? He would say no. If you were to ask him about the battle of Ai or when the sun stood still, was that easy? He would tell you no. But if you were to ask him, was it worth it? He would say absolutely. Because legacy ain't easy, but it is worth it. You know what is easy? Complacency. Complacency, apathy, those things, those are easy. You know the saying that nothing worth having comes easily, and that's absolutely true. You know what is easy though? What is easy is watching Netflix. You ever notice that it's easier to watch Netflix than it is to read your Bible? It's crazy how that works. You know, what, you know what is easy? What's easy is coming home after a long day of work and ignoring your kids and sitting on the couch. You know what's hard? Getting down on your knees when your dog tired and playing My Little Pony Princess parties with your four-year-old. That's, that's hard, but you know what? That's what leaves a legacy. The other just leaves your butt on the couch, and that might be the only thing that's left behind when you're gone is that nice little curve in the cushions. Legacy is not easy, but it is worth it. You ever notice that it's easier to go to a restaurant than it is to go to church? You ever notice that it's easier to spend money than it is to tithe 10%? You ever notice that it's easier for you to go fishing than for you to go to small group? How does that work? You know why? Because your legacy has an enemy too. And your legacy wants, your enemy wants to attack your legacy. And so he tricks you into thinking that hard things must not be from God. When the opposite is true, legacy is not easy, but it is worth it. And so we need to learn from Joshua about how we are to live our lives so that way we can live for a legacy. And so what I want to do is I want to go back and I want to look at Joshua's story. Because we receive a legacy and we leave a legacy and Joshua's legacy doesn't start in the book of Joshua. In fact, it spans four books of the Bible, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, and then we see the book of Joshua. And so what I want to do is I want to go back and I want to do a character study and I want to learn some lessons from the life of Joshua about what it means for us to leave a legacy. If you want to leave a legacy, there's going to be a few things that you have to do. Because legacy isn't automatic. 
Legacy doesn't happen by accident. Legacy takes decision. It takes determination. Legacy takes us stepping into what God has for us. And so we need to learn some lessons from the life of Joshua about what it means to live a legacy. How many of you want to leave a legacy with your life? How many of you want to give your life to something that is bigger than yourself? How many of you want to give your life to something that is greater than yourself? How many of you want to wake up in the morning with pep in your step and passion in your heart? How many of you want to live a life that matters, live a life that counts? How many of you want to stop making a dent and start making a difference and leave a legacy with your life? Okay, then we got to learn how to leave a legacy. And the, the first thing that we need to learn from the life of Joshua is this, is if you want to leave a legacy, then you need to discover God's purpose. Look what it says in Exodus chapter 17, 8. This is the first time that Joshua ever appears in the Bible. It's the first moment that we see him. It's our introduction. And what is Joshua doing? Let's read it. Then Amalek came and fought with the Israel at Rephidim. Just say it fast. Say it bold. People think you know what you're talking about. So Moses said to Joshua, choose for us men and go out and fight with Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand on top of the hill with the staff of God in my hand. So Joshua did as Moses told him. And he fought with Amalek and the Amalekites. This is a wicked, brutal army that had already destroyed their people. They worshiped false gods, child sacrifices. They had pillaged, raped, and murdered the women and the children of the land. And so now Israel is going to do battle. While Moses, Aaron, and Hur went up to the top of the hill, verse 11, when Moses held up his hand, Israel prevailed. So as Moses has his hands lifted, Israel wins the battle. And whenever he lowered his hands, Amalek prevailed. But Moses' hands grew weary, so they took a stone and put it under him and sat on it. And while Aaron and Hur held up his hands, one on one side and the other on the other side, so his hands were steady until the going down of the sun, and Joshua overwhelmed Amalek and his people with the sword. Moses is the leader of the nation of Israel. And he's going and he's doing battle, and he's doing war with, a, with another nation. And he says, I need to find me some strong men. I need to find me some men of courage. I need to find some men who are going to be willing to go out and fight. And Joshua raised his hand. Joshua said, that's me. I, I'm going to do it. I'm going to sign up. I'm going to join the team. And Joshua raised his hand. And in this moment, we find that Joshua actually discovers his purpose. Because everything we're going to read in the book of Joshua is him as a soldier, him as a warrior, him in battle, and him winning victories. But the victory started not in Joshua, but in Exodus chapter 17. In this moment, he discovered his purpose. But I want you to recognize something, is that Joshua's purpose looks different than Moses' purpose. See, Moses, he led with a staff. Joshua, he's going to lead with a sword. Moses, he was a shepherd turned prophet, but Joshua, he is going to be a soldier. And the lesson that we can learn from this is that every single one of us has a purpose, but our purpose looks different. That you may have a purpose, you have a purpose, but y'all's purposes are not identical. Every single one of us have a purpose, but that purpose looks different. You were made for purpose and on a purpose, but not everybody's purpose looks the same. So how do we discover what this purpose is? We learned this lesson from Joshua is you have to say yes. You have to raise your hand. You have to volunteer. You have to step into your purpose. You learn your purpose by learning to serve. That's why in Joshua 1.1, it says Moses' assistant. That was Joshua's that was Joshua's title. He was the assistant. That is the servant. Joshua discovered his purpose through serving. Wow. And as he began to serve, he began to see what God wanted to do in his life. Listen, write this down. Take this note. It's very important. If serving is beneath you, then greatness is beyond you. If you're unwilling to serve, you're never going to discover your purpose. So many people are paralyzed looking for their purpose that they're unwilling to step into the battle. Say, what's my purpose, God? What's my purpose? What's my purpose? And then you don't actually get in the game, and that's the reason you don't discover what God wants to do through you. If you're unwilling to serve, then you're unwilling to learn. And if serving is beneath you, then greatness is going to be beyond you. 
It starts with us discovering our purpose by learning how to serve. I mean, this is my story. I remember when God saved me at the age of 20. For two years, I went to church every single week, and I would sit in the chairs, I would drink the coffee, I would sing the songs, I would listen to the sermons that are being preached, but I didn't give, I didn't pray, I didn't join a small group, and I definitely didn't serve. And then one day I was walking through the lobby and the youth pastor came up to me and he says, hey, we got a, a, a small group of, of boys in the youth and we need somebody to, 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 to lead that. And I said, okay, I guess I'll, I'll give it a shot. And so I would show up on Wednesday nights and I would spend time with about five, 10 of these high school kids and I have to teach them the Bible, which means I need to learn what the Bible says. And I have to teach them how to pray, which means I have to actually know how to pray. And then I have to work with the complexities and the difficulties of navigating teenage life. And so I have to figure out what my life looks like too and be a good godly example in front of these kids. And the more that I began to study and the more that I began to pray and prepare my notes and the more that I began to teach, the more I discovered that inside of me, God had a purpose for my life. And after serving in the youth group for about two years, I felt a call of ministry on my life. And then I started preparing Bible studies, and then I started preparing messages, and then I went to Bible college, and then me and Ashley moved out, and we planted a church in Houston, and we just served at that church, and then we moved and we planted a church in New York, and we just served at that church, and then God called us back home to downtown Beaumont to start Redemption Church. And I do not believe that any of us would be here today if 15 years ago I didn't learn to serve. It starts with serving. I mean, we even see this through our study in the book of Mark. In Mark chapter 3, when Jesus calls the disciples, he says, before they were, disi- before they were apostles, they started off as disciples. Right. It starts with serving. Elsewhere, Jesus says it like this, the greatest among you are the servants. If you want to discover your purpose, then you need to learn to serve. And if serving is beneath you, then, sorry, greatness is beyond you. Joshua discovered his purpose, Exodus 17, by learning to serve. But there's a second thing that Exodus 17 can teach us, and it's, it's so that way we can learn to rely on God's people. Look at the story again. Joshua's in battle. Joshua's fighting, but he doesn't fight alone. Who else is in the story? Moses, Aaron, Her. We have three other people who are doing battle along with Joshua. And as Joshua's fighting, as Joshua's in battle, as Joshua is winning and as Joshua is losing, here's what Joshua is learning through that whole process, is that if he wants to leave a legacy, if he wants to get the victory, he needs to learn how to rely on God's people. There's a saying that says you are the sum total of the three closest people in your life. Who are you surrounding yourself with? Who are you living life with? Who are you running with? Who are you relying on when it comes to living your life? Joshua, he had Aaron, Moses, and her. He has in good company. And it's that company that encourages him. It's that company that motivates him so that way he can leave a legacy. Listen, if you're taking notes, write this down. Show me your friends and I'll show you your future. Who are you surrounding yourself with? Who are you allowing to speak into your life? Are you allowing people who are going to encourage you? Or are you allowing people who are discouraging you? Are you surrounding yourself with people who inspire you to walk in faith? Or are you surrounding yourself with people who are pulling you away from the life of faith that God has for you? Show me your friends and I will show you your future. This is why it's so incredibly important for us to be involved in small groups. Listen, you're not going to leave a legacy in five minutes in the lobby. It takes building relationship. It takes depending on other people. It takes opening up, being vulnerable, being honest, sharing, and doing life with one another. It takes us being able to surround ourselves with people who are going to bless us and care for us and pray for us, who are going to give us community, who are going to hold us accountable. And when we're being an idiot, they'll give us a kick in the pants. You got to learn to rely on God's people. No one should ever fight alone. 
And if you are trying to fight alone, don't be surprised when you lose. Whenever Moses' hands were lifted up, he was able to get the victory. The moment that his hands were laid down, Joshua, he began to experience defeat. When the people around us are strong, we become strong. When the people around us are courageous, we become courageous. When the people around us have faith to see and to believe that God is going to do great things, then we have the faith to see and believe that God is going to do great things. But when we get alone, that's when we begin to lose. Who do you surround yourself with? Who do you walk with? Who are you doing life with? Joshua had Moses, Aaron, and her. Who do you have? Who do you surround yourself with? As a church, we need to learn to rely on God's people, which leads to the, the third thing. We also have to trust God's process. So in Exodus 17, what we saw is this, is that God has a purpose for our life, and he puts his people in our life. And then in Joshua 1.1, we see the beginning of God's promise. But do you know how long the gap between Joshua 1.1 and Exodus 17 is? 40 years. 40 years between when we first meet Joshua and where the book picks up at. So what did Joshua do for those 40 years? How did Joshua live his life for those 40 years? He spent 40 years wandering around in the wilderness. He spent 40 years of his life walking in circles. 40 years of his life, but that time was not wasted in the wilderness, but rather, here's what he was doing. He was trusting God, waiting on God, and he was trusting the process. Look what it says here. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to Numbers 13, 31. And as for your children that you said would be taken as plunder, I will bring them into the land and to enjoy the land that you have rejected. So here's the story, is that Moses sends out 12 spies to go check out the land of Canaan, go see Jericho. This is the land that God had promised them. It's about a 30-day journey from Egypt into the Canaan land. And as they get right there at the edge of the Jordan River and they look and they see, Moses says, let's send 12 spies just to go check it out. And as they go, they see clusters of grapes as big as their head, a land flowing with milk and honey. They see the promise that God has for them, dating all the way back from Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Moses. And the land is right there. Just go ahead and take the land. 12 spies go. 10 spies come back. As the 10 spies come back, here's what they say. We can't do it. It's impossible. There's giants in the land. We look like grasshoppers compared to them. It's it's impossible. We're all going to die. We might as well go back home to Egypt. God has brought us out here just to fail us and to kill us. Let's turn around. And Joshua and his friend Caleb, they say, we can do this. We can take this land. God's on our side. If God be for us, who can be against us? Let's rally the truth. Let's go. But the people believed the 10 spies in the negative report, which goes back to the reason why you should surround yourself with people who have big faith. And because of their unbelief and because of their grumbling and murmuring and their complaining against God, they led them to in rebellion And God said, this entire generation, because of their unbelief, they will not be able to enter into the promised land. And so God said, for 40 years, you're going to have to wander around in the wilderness until this generation passes away. But look what it says. But as for you, your bodies will fail in the wilderness. Your children will be shepherds here for 40 years, suffering for your unfaithfulness. Until last of your bodies lies in the wilderness for 40 years, one year for each of the 40 days that you explored the land. And then chapter 14, verse 37, the men who brought a bad report of the land, they died by plague before the Lord. And of those men who went in to spy out the land, only who? Joshua, the son of Nun, and Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, remains alive. Moses said, go check out the land. Ten came back with a negative report. Two came back with a good report. And because of the negative, they had to walk around in the wilderness for 40 years. Could you imagine what it must have been like for Joshua for 40 years wandering in the wilderness? He's like, man, I didn't even do anything. He's like, this is not fair. And he's still just wandering around the wilderness. 
just walking around in circles. I mean, he saw the promised land. And for 40 years, he's just walking around in the wilderness. He had a word from God. And for 40 years, he's walking around in the wilderness. He is walking around in circles. He is wondering, does God love me? Does God care for me? Did God lie to me? Is God good? Is God still alive? Where is God? I don't see this working. What is happening? 40 years. Some of you know exactly what that's like. Some of you, that's where you find yourself today. You're in this room and you're in a wilderness season. You're in a wilderness moment. You're walking around in circles and you're wondering, does God love me? Does God care for me? Is God there for me? Does he listen to my prayers? I try and I fail. I do my best and it doesn't work out. I'm holding on to the promises, but God, I don't see your promises. You know what that's like, don't you? Joshua knows what that's like too. But during those 40 years, here's what I want you to see. Is that in the wilderness, your time is not wasted when you're waiting on God. You are never wasting time when you are waiting on God. For Joshua, it's in those wilderness moments that God prepares him. That God speaks to him. It's in those wilderness moments that God is strengthening him, that God is building his confidence on him. It's in those wilderness moments that God is shaping him and developing him and making him into the man that he is supposed to be. You are never wasting time when you are waiting on God. This is where I feel right now. At the beginning of the year, as you know, we kicked off our Be Bold Giving campaign. Last year, I felt like God put it in my heart that it's, it's time for us to move because you can't lease a legacy. And so I'm praying and I'm just believing, okay, God, here we go. Okay, God, what are we going to do? Okay, God, here we, here we go. We're going to step out into this. And as we started the Be Bold campaign, I'm like, come on, church, we're going to be bold with our giving. We're going to be bold with our invitations. We're going to be bold with our prayers. We're going to be bold when it comes to our serving. Let's go. Let's be bold. And everybody's like, yes, this is amazing. And then we start giving to the Be Bold campaign, and we start working towards finding this new building. And the entire time, I'm telling you to be bold, be bold, be bold. God's speaking in my heart. Be patient. Now, if you know me, I am not patient. Like, I'm the guy who yells at the microwave, right? I mean, it's like two minutes is too long, right? I want what I want when I want it, and I want it two minutes ago, right? That's, that's me. I'm the guy who yells at a, a, a microwave. I, I'm in a hurry. I'm in a rush. Everything I do, I want it to be chop, chop. Let's go. Come on. We can do this. But God just kept speaking to my heart. Just, just be patient. Just, just be patient. Just be patient. So I'm leading, and, and I'm trying to buy every building that I see. <laughs> right? I mean, I go look at this old fire station. I'm like, that's it. That's the building. We're going to have worship here and kids over here. And then we go check out this old church that's been abandoned. We're like, that's it. That's the building. That's it. That's the dream. Can we buy it now? And then I go look at another building, an old warehouse. We go look at a church on the, uh, on the north end, and we're like, this is the building for us. I just believe it. And God just kept saying, no, no, no. I got something better for you. No, no. You tell your church to be bold, but I'm telling you to be patient. And so I'm waiting and waiting and praying and I reached a point where I was like, ah, I got to do something, right? And so I just called the owner of this building and I said, hey, look, we, we need a new building. We're, we've outgrown the current space that we're in. We, we need to find something with, you know, um, 500 parking spaces, 20,000 square foot, 30-foot ceilings, and we need enough room for at least 500 people. And he was like, I'll, I'll sell you the building you're currently in. And I said, no, no, you don't understand. Like, the building's too small. We have too many people. There's kids crammed like sardines in the back, right? And so we need a bigger space. And he said, no, not the building you're in. I said, you, so you the entire building, the entire city block. I said, oh, well, that's a little bit different. And I had never yet, in the two years I've been here, never walked around the city block. I had never looked and saw that it actually goes all the way to the end of the street and back to the other side. 
I had never even walked around and looked, and I had never even considered it. And so I'm looking at all these other buildings, but God has a better plan. And so we get the tour, and we go inside, and here's what we noticed, is that this city block and that extension of the building is actually 20,000 square feet, what we've been praying for. We still have the 500 parking spaces outside. We got 30-foot ceilings, but the only problem is, is it doesn't seat 500 people. By our estimation, actually seats about 600. Come on, won't God do it? And what would have happened if I would have pushed God's timetable, I would never have been able to experience his promise. You are never wasting time when you wait on God. He is working on your behalf. He is doing something in your life. He is strengthening you. He is encouraging you. He is building the trust inside of you so that way you can learn to be to depend on him. You are never wasting time when you're waiting on God. I have a, a legacy that I received from my, from my grandparents. But there's also a legacy that I've also received, and that's the legacy of my of, of my own parents. My grandparents, they raised me, they took care of me, they were the praying people that I have mentioned before, they're deacons here at the church. But at the same time, I received a legacy of addiction and of abuse and received a legacy of heartache and heartbreak through my, through my mother. And God spoke to my grandmother whenever my mom was a little girl and she said, your daughter will be saved. And my grandmother never gave up on that. And she just held on to that promise. And as my mom would go to prison, as my mom would go into relationship after relationship, as my mom went to rehab, she never gave up on that promise. My mom will be saved. Your mom will be saved. Your daughter will be saved. And my mom just turned 50 this year. She'd probably be mad at me for saying that. But after, just like Joshua, 40 years of wandering in the wilderness, 40 years, my grandmother prayed, and last year this happened. We got to baptize my mom. Never give up on God's word. Never give up on trusting God. You may not see it, but you have to believe it. He saw the promised land, and he never let go of that dream. Keep the promise of God of alive and trust the process that God is bringing you through, which leads to point number four is that if we want to leave a legacy, we need to spend time in God's presence. This is my favorite story through the life of Joshua, and, and it's found in the book of Exodus in chapter 33. It's a very famous Bible story. I teach it all the time. It's about Moses speaking to God face-to-face like a friend. I mean, Moses goes into the tent of meeting. He comes out of the tent of meeting. His face is glowing like a nightlight. He has to put a veil over his face because when he prays, he actually talks to God face-to-face just like a friend. And Moses and Joshua are, are praying in the tent of meeting. But here's what's very fascinating. What we see is whenever he leaves the tent of meeting, Exodus 33, when Moses turned again to depart from the camp, his assistant, Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, he would not depart from the tent. What is he doing here? He is spending time in the presence of God. He is hungry for the presence of God. He is desperate for the presence of God. He wants to spend time in the presence of God. And it's through spending time in the presence of God, he is able to step out and walk in his purpose of life. If there's one thing that I could encourage you with, if there's one thing I can motivate you towards, if you're going through a hard time or if you have big dreams, here's what it is, is your life is only limited by the size of your prayers. Your life is only limited by the size of your prayers. I am fully convinced on this, that the more you pray, the more you're going to see God answer your prayers. It's amazing how this happens. The more I pray, the better I become. The more I pray, the more strong I become. The more I pray, the more confident I become in what God has for my life. The more I pray, the better husband I become. The more I pray, the better father I become. The more I pray, the better pastor I become. The more I pray, the better leader I become. The more I pray, the more I'm able to experience God's presence 
the more I am able to live a life with passion, live a life with purpose, and move forward into what God has for me. I am fully convinced that our lives are only limited by the size of our prayers. If you want to see God move, you got to pray. If you want to see God show up, you got to pray. If you want to see God do miracles, you got to pray. If you want to see God answer prayers, you got to pray. If you want to see God do mighty things in your life, you need to become a person who is desperate for the presence of God. Joshua, he lingers in the tents. This is why First Wednesday prayer nights are so important for us as a church. That we gather corporately and we pray together as a church. That we gather corporately and we pray as a church. I am convinced that prayer is the determining factor on whether people see from God or they don't. If you pray, you will receive. Jesus even says it like this, ask and you shall receive. There's not a big long list of qualifiers behind what he says. It's not like on those, you know, medicine commercials on CNN where they're like, try this new medication. Here's the side effects. Your head will explode. He doesn't do that. He doesn't give a big long qualifier. He just says, ask and you shall receive. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be open to you. Your life is determined by the size of your prayers. Joshua understands this. Because before Joshua assumes leadership, next week we're going to see that he prays. Before Joshua crosses the River Jordan, he's going to pray. Before Joshua does battle, he's going to pray. Before Joshua sees the walls of Jericho fall down, he's going to pray. Before Joshua goes into the battle of Ai, he's going to pray. In order for the sun to stand still, he's going to pray. If you want to see God move in your life, you need to become a person who is desperate for the presence of God in your life. You need to Find God's presence, which leads to the fifth and to the final thing is this, is if we want to leave a legacy, we need to find strength in God's power. How did he do all of these things? How did he live for God's purpose? How do we trust God's process? How do we be able to rely on God's people? How do we spend time in God's presence? It's found here. It's finding strength in God's power. As Moses dies and Joshua assumes leadership, in Deuteronomy 31, 33, Moses summoned Joshua and said to him, in the sight of all of Israel, be strong and courageous, for you shall go with this people into the land that the Lord has sworn to their fathers to give them, and you shall put them in possession of it. It is the Lord who goes before you. He will be with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. Do not fear. Do not be dismayed. And it closes with the statement. Joshua 33, Deuteronomy 33, 9, and Joshua the son of Nun, What was he? Full of the spirit of wisdom, for Moses had laid his hands on him. If you want to leave a legacy, if you want to be strong and courageous, then you need to be filled with the spirit of God. Because it's too big for you to do on your own. Where God is leading in your life, you cannot make it without his leading over your life. What God has in store for you, you will not be able to receive, receive, or leave without being filled with the Holy Spirit. How does Joshua do the things that he does? It says he is filled with the Holy Spirit. If you're a Christian and you're here today, I want you to know that the same spirit that rested on Joshua is the same spirit that lives inside all of us. The moment you become a Christian, the moment you give your life to Jesus, here's here's what happens. Your old old self is removed, and you get a new identity in Christ. Your old sin is gone, and a new life is come. And the way that this is ensured for us is that God deposits the Holy Spirit inside of us and seals us in the Spirit, in God's love. The moment you became a Christian... God said, I am going to take up residence in that person's life. 
And I am going to be the one who strengthens them. And I am going to be the one who empowers them. And I am going to be the one who motivates them. And I'm going to be the one who makes the Bible come alive when they read it. I'm going to be the one who gives them just a little more faith when they begin to pray. I'm going to give them supernatural spiritual gifts so that way they can make a difference in this world. And what happens the moment we become a Christian, God the Holy Spirit lives inside of us. And what Joshua only had for a moment we get for a lifetime God gives to us what Joshua had and this is the reason that I know that every single one of you has a legacy it's because you have the Holy Spirit inside of you if you're taking notes I just want to leave you this final thought as we close I want you to grasp this. I want you to understand this. I want you to hold on to this. I want you to write this down. Put it in your car. Put it on your mirror. Discuss it at small group. Pray it over your spouse. Pray it over your kids. Tell people in the grocery store line. I don't care. But I want you to understand this. I have a legacy because the Holy Spirit lives inside of me. You have a legacy in your life because the Holy Spirit of God lives inside of you. Inside of every single one of you, there is a legacy that is waiting to be unleashed. There is a destiny that is waiting to be discovered. Individually, you all have a legacy. There is a reason that God brought you here today. There is a reason that God met you where you're at, saved you, and changed your life. He has not forgotten you. He has not abandoned you. He will not leave you. He will not forsake you because God the Spirit lives inside of you. Individually, you have a legacy. Congregationally, as a church, we got a legacy. We're not just leading this church week to week no more. We're looking 20 years in the future. What kind of legacy as a church are we going to leave? Are we going to leave a legacy of a church that's filled with faith and where friendships are found? Are we going to leave a legacy as a church that is a safe and healing place for people to find hope? Are we going to leave a legacy to our children and to our children's children of a church where everyone's welcomed and anyone can change? What is the reputation of our church as people drive by or see the R bumper sticker on the back of your car? What are people going to say about us? What kind of legacy are we going to leave as a church? That's the theme of this series. Individually, you have a legacy. Corporately, as a congregation, we have a legacy. And the legacy we leave is a result of the lives that we live. There is a legacy inside of you. Joshua had to discover his. And it's my hope and prayer that through this series, you too will discover yours.